0: What's up? Welcome to the Part-Time Rockstar Podcast, episode 44. Today with my guest, Matt Lane, host of the podcast, a chat with Matt, which he hosts up in Toronto. sounds like his podcast uh, focuses on the industry side of things, as well as some of the bands that he works with and interviews. Um, Prior to the shutdown, he was booking tours for people and helping promote their stuff and just kind of get it out there. It sounds like Matt will also be releasing his own music pretty soon So we talked about that And talked about how he started his podcast And who he's been talked to And that sort of thing Um, It's always kind of fun to have another podcaster on Every once in a while Just to kind of see what they do Um, For some reason my end of the audio came out a little funky on this episode But uh, overall I think it sounded fine So uh, in any case, just as always, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for supporting local music. Uh, if you happen to be in a band, or have new music coming out yourself, feel free to hit me up, there, we might be able to do an episode sometime, but uh, other than that, hopefully you're doing alright out there, staying safe, staying sane, keeping busy, whatever it is, uh, but anyway, without further ado, episode 44 of The Chat We've Met
1: doesn't
2: know what to do it's to so yeah, I guess it's a little backstory for me then is I just started a podcast to support the local music scene where I am, just kind of in the city of Baltimore or a little bit around there. Great, love it. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what the premise of your podcast was
3: uh it's music industry so i talk to bands i talk to our artists music industry producers songwriters record label people etc
2: yeah i got you that's cool how's it uh, been going you know since the quarantine and all that
3: well the court when the quarantine happened i can't a a month after we went into lockdown on my end it I kind of, that's when I started the podcast because I was bored and I had nothing to do because I got laid off of work and I had a lot of free time. But when I started it, it was three three days a week on Instagram live. So So it was like, like a live kind of podcast conversation. And I did that for about 39 episodes. And then I switched over to a more traditional podcast format where it's like an hour and a bit, there's music breaks, stuff like that. And it was just audio and now i've transferred that format into video format so now i can upload the stuff on youtube my youtube is starting to get some
2: attention so
3: that's awesome it's
2: going well yeah so you're kind of doing it more like uh semi-professionally maybe
3: not uh not really <laughs>
2: I, I, <laughs> have you like, uh,
3: in terms of what do you mean by semi-professionally
2: i don't know have you gotten any money out of it yet
3: yeah like like i uh yeah i get monetization on my audio and uh you know like i i've gotten a couple of sponsors and i'm starting to get more sponsors on board so
2: cool well then uh you're a big guest to have on I guess, <laughs> I <guess for> me. <laughs> not not in I the slightest usually, yeah i usually just kind of have like my friends and and local bands and random people that play music no that's the way to up. do it so.
3: When I when I book people, I just book people I find interesting to talk to. I don't really give a shit about
2: status. Yeah, that's cool. Can um, I swear on your podcast, by the way? Because I swear a lot. Oh yeah, go ahead. Great. Um, I assume at the end of this, you could just send me your file. Yeah, and, no, uh, no worries. I'll splice them together, and I mean, I always tell people if you want to edit things out after, I certainly can. But nah, I don't really edit. usually I don't really, really edit. have okay. to. Yeah,
3: Man. I I I'm pretty open. With whatever I say, so you can use whatever you want.
2: Yeah, no worries. Um, so yeah, I'm actually just about approaching fifty episodes okay. uh, myself, I guess. So I'm still learning the the ways. <laughs> and, it's, uh, it's definitely a process. Yeah, there's always little tidbits you can figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be the first guest where normally i feature people's music and yeah. I, just, I don't know if you're a musician yourself
3: i i am a mu- i am a musician i was in a metal band fronting fronting it for about 3 years i put out a solo record ages ago and then i kind of stopped doing music for a while and cuz i was i work in i work in the industry as a manager and a booking agent so that kind of was my main thing and like i'm waiting i'm actually getting my first single finished uh mix and mastered i'm getting it back wednesday and then i'm taking the next couple months i'm gonna shoot a video in a couple weeks and then i'm probably gonna launch it in march i'm aiming for either march or early april and then i'll and i'm putting out like just a couple singles this year nothing crazy because i can't go out and tour anything so i'm only doing like i'm doing like two singles one for early spring and probably one in the fall
2: yeah well, I mean, I could certainly feature one of them on this episode. I don't really have a specific timeline for like when I release them. That's usually up to the guest. Um,
3: yeah, you, you can, can release this whenever.
2: Or... Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, feel free to send me whatever your new stuff is or old stuff, and I'll, I'll throw it on here. Yeah, That's sure. A little shout out. Go. Cool. Um, yeah, me and myself, I just been. Uh, putting out a couple of music videos here and there, recorded a EP during the quarantine. So
3: Cool. How'd that go?
2: Uh, you know, it's uh, nice to take time to be creative. Amen to that. I feel like a lot of people, I don't know, got stuck in a rut a little. But yeah. uh, between starting a podcast and staying in the studio, like it's been a lot of fun.
3: And, that, and that's the good thing about the quarantine is it, it's been a blessing and a curse, as I've told people, because you, you have the time to figure your shit out, but you're also allowing yourself to have a moment of peace and pause because the world, especially over the last like five to 10 years, has accelerated so much in terms of like social media, d- digital media and all sorts of just development in general. So it's like you have to go, 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 go. But this is the first time the world's kind of like, OK, let's pause. And let's figure some shit out. And it's also a great time because a lot of people are reevaluating what they're doing and prioritizing what is important in their lives and what they actually want to pursue. Because I've always wanted to do a podcast or something like that. But I've, I was just so busy because I like managing my clients, booking clients, like working my day job, like it's just nonstop shit for me. So now I'm kind of like, cool, I have time to actually do the podcast. I do mine once a week, keep it simple, book guests I want to talk to. And well I'm booked until like early May at this point. So right. it so I don't have to worry about booking for a bit, which is nice.
2: Yeah, I've been uh trying to develop a system for that myself. I mean I think uh you might have seen my post on the Philadelphia yeah. um music subreddit or sub Facebook, whatever mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> and uh I don't know, I try to book it out like a month or two at a time.
3: Yeah, it's it it's easy
2: that way. You get in- yeah, inundated yeah. with a lot of people who want to come on.
3: Yeah, I get, I get a lot of requests to get booked on, which is nice that people want to no talk idea. to me for some reason.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: No idea have why, I just anything? talk shit.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's usually what happens. Yep. Um, have you put any effort into, like, advertising on yours?
3: Uh, I, I, I've been lucky with my podcast because the guests I've had have a bit of like traction to their name so like their fan bases come take a look especially my last few podcasts like I did my first in-person shoot on my not the podcast I just posted the one before that and that one became my most viewed episode within like six hours because the the music venue that I, I interviewed a music venue owner that's in my town that I work with and they shared it on their Facebook page, and it just blew up from there. And then I just posted an episode with a um, multi-platinum producer yesterday. No, yesterday Friday, and he shared it on his Facebook page, and like all of his artists started sharing it, and just it started getting a crap ton of views and stuff like that. So I've I've been lucky organically. I've I've done like advertising like two episodes, and I've done fifty six, um, or it, it, I'm getting in my fifty six week. So it's advertising is hit or miss. It depends. Like I, I'm just kind of, I'm not really in a position where I want to put a lot of money into it yet. Cause it's just, I don't have a lot of money. So <laughs> I figured I just, you know, keep it, keep it simple for now. Let it grow organically. Cause the issue with like pay promotion is it's very easy to get sucked into like buying likes and buying followers and all that kind of shit. Cause I, I've seen a lot of people do that and just, it looks terrible when you look at someone's follower count and then you look at their engagement and the engagement, it's like dog shit
0: yeah
3: so you got to find like that weird middle ground
2: yeah yeah i'm not sure where i want to take mine personally uh largely i'm still doing it for fun but it's been really productive i'm just meeting people and i'm sure you know when you're in a band sometimes you don't talk to people definitely not to this extent
3: well absolutely and i i think with with podcasting it it allows opportunity for conversation and those conversations depending on how they go you can turn it into friendships like some of the podcast guests I've had, like I talk to them like every week now, just casually, like, hey, what's going on? Talk about industry news, talk about their band, talk about what they got going on. Or if they're an older like legacy industry person, like I get to go to them for advice or opinions and stuff like that. So it it's a good balance that way.
2: Yeah. And it's cool that you focused on the industry. I think it, it, um, one podcast I did was um, To All the Crowded Rooms, which I think mm-hmm. is also based in Philadelphia. Yeah. And those guys have a cool mix of kind of talking to industry people, but talking on bands too.
3: Yeah, I, I, I wanted to do like an industry-ish focused podcast, but it it's kind of transformed more into just a long-form conversation about just whatever comes up, kind of just – Basically I've adopted more of that Rogan out because I used to have like a structured format for my podcast. Like, okay, we're going to hit on these points and these points. But then I realized like that just, it didn't feel authentic to me. So now I just talk about whatever comes up. I don't really plan anything for my podcast and people seem to like that. I'm like, cool. Less effort. Sounds good to me.
2: Yeah, no, <laughs> same. I I would try to write out a couple of questions at first and I just gave up. Yeah, I think the only thing that I keep around now is like, if for some reason the conversation's boring, and I'll be like, all right, let's do some rapid fire like uh, questions. Yeah. Like, you know, do you like Taco Bell or McDonald's better or something? And just <laughs> see if that like invigorates the converse, the conversation.
3: Yeah, I get that. But
2: that's about it.
3: Yeah, simple. So,
2: so, yeah, what's your new most... Uh, sorry, I'm still dealing with a little echo. Tripping over Talking. myself. Um, what's your new music touching on? Like so, subject matter or...
3: So the new music it it's kind of more of a well the first single I'm putting out it's it's a story it's it's kind of just from a perspective of I had a roommate that like had a lot of mental issues and was in a psych ward for a few months and then she moved back into the apartment I was living in cuz I would live with roommates and then she kind of had a psychotic breakdown destroyed like half the apartment and like it was absolutely terrifying and just I, it was it was just a song kind of about her. I wrote the song before she had the breakdown. It was just basically talking about like you're going through rough times, but there is light on the other side. You just have to keep pushing for it and keep looking for it and just trying to get yourself out of that dark place and like get the help you need and all that kind of stuff. That's so it's like a mental health esque, but more of a story about someone's journey in a way.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely pertinent to the times, you know, I had a friend who, uh, similar mental issues going on early in the quarantine mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of comically, he, uh, texted me and like, I just spent like my whole stimulus check at the dispensary. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's healthy, but I'm going to yeah. write a song about it.
3: Yeah. But, and that's the issue with the, with the pandemic and everything that is like, it's really shown people how they can survive independently, but also it brings out a lot of potential issues you have with either yourself, uh, people you live with, or just general things you do with your life and with the pandemic especially for me like i've gone through waves of it like i go through massive waves of productivity and then like massive waves of just depression and hating myself and not happy with anything i do and it's kind of and i've kind of morphed that into i'm trying to get back on track but it's kind of like a tight rope because like i i definitely and i've definitely indulged way too much in especially cannabis because cannabis is legal in canada which is fucking great and yeah. then you know alcohol as well and so now i'm just kind of on a tight like i just started a new eating program because my eating was terrible and i'm starting to lose weight again and like i'm taking vitamins every day now and just trying to get myself back into fighting shape so i can so i can you know be healthy and stick around for a bit
2: yeah i mean anything you got to do to take care of yourself you know are we
3: recording by um, the way
2: or have we already started I am. oh okay I wasn't cool sure if you were
3: yeah i was <laughs> i wasn't sure if we started yeah. already
2: yeah well um normally what I do too is on mine I'll put a little intro in okay so you know kind of your background or some of your music cool. stuff like that and then it just kind of goes into the conversation
3: okay right on I dig it
2: so you're good yeah um, how's the uh social climate up there in Canada as far as uh protocols for covid and like do you feel like society is coming back a little more or is everyone still kind of hold up
3: i mean to be honest we're watching a lot of what's going on in your neck of the woods at the moment oh yeah as we've been doing for the past four years but with i live in ontario and then which is a province in canada the general response like the first six seven months we were getting monthly stimulus checks and living off uh government money which was kind of nice for a bit but then now then they stopped that it's like okay cool now I got to go back actually try to find a job and now I found a job in which I can actually work during the pandemic so I can actually make some money and it's a job where I'm social distance from everyone which is nice but with, with the general protocols like uh the premier of Ontario Doug Ford is kind of he he's handled it well-ish because like we just got put back into lockdown like the day after Christmas and then because they're all worried about people traveling around and getting people sick. But the, here, here's the issue. People are fucking stupid. People are always going to be stupid. You can only count on so many people. You can't assume everyone's going to follow the rules. Especially like in Toronto. Especially like there's anti-mask protests happening. Like it feels like every day. And it's just the the people that don't understand what this actually is. And how it's affecting everything. Are kind of only looking with about two feet in front of them. As opposed to looking at the bigger picture with the pandemic and everything going on, it's things are going to get worse before they get better, and it's only going to get better if... I think if government starts really pushing on people, I don't know how it is... Well, I've seen how it is for you guys just from television. I know you guys had the Capitol riots a couple weeks back, and you have old Joey boy uh, coming in next week, and then, you know, good old Don is still hanging out there for a bit. But for us, it's... it's we We it's been hit or miss. Like generally everyone's pretty chill about it. Like just wear masks in grocery stores. Don't, don't be an asshole. There's always those people. Cause in every country, there's the minority of assholes that are selfish and only think about themselves, but they claim they're thinking about everyone else, but they're really not. So it's, it's been good, but it's also been just trying to make it through and just trying to get back to a normal state where, you know, we can do live shows again. Cause that's kind of been, cause that's where I was making a lot of my money. So,
2: yeah, and that's kind of what I was going to ask about, is, you know, you see the industry just barely starting to get a, maybe a yellow light, not necessarily uh, a green light, obviously. But the,
3: Yeah, the issue with the industry, and we've already been seeing it, just the amount of venues closing down all over the world. Yeah. And it's only good, like, I don't know how it is in your neck of the woods, but I imagine you have a lot of venues in your area closing down or like are on the verge of closing down or anything like that.
2: Well, I've heard rumors of uh, Live Nation. I don't know if you guys have that up in Canada. Yeah. But it's a big conglomerate. They're buying out uh, a lot of smaller venues.
3: They they started doing that up here in Toronto, but there's mainly a lot of the venues are either owned by different promotion companies that aren't Live Nation, or it's mainly independent. Because Live Nation, for us, mainly books, the rooms. They don't really own the rooms. They've started... I think they bought, like, two or three rooms in Toronto, I think. Yeah. And they're working on, like, a bigger theater, I think, in Pickering, which is, like, 20 minutes west of me. Um, with with Live Nation, I, I've had a few issues with them, just about how they've handled certain finances, because they they put out a pandemic, post-pandemic kind of plan about how they're going to handle... Shows, live shows and all that kind of shit, like putting a lot more liability on the artists. So like forcing the artist teams to pay for additional expenses because Live Nation used to pay for everything for a lot of those artists, like travel, accommodation, food, everything like that. Now they're kind of putting in more in the artist court. And the issue with that is when you get into bigger production, especially like arenas, multi-date shows and generating millions of dollars in revenue and you're putting more on the artists and the artist has to, fork out a lot more money for the expenses, but then the issue is if the pandemic comes back, because we're still going through waves of this, we're going to be going through waves of this for a long time. The issue we're going to have is if certain places go back into lockdown and shows have to be canceled, artists are going to get screwed out of money. And a lot of them are potentially going to have to pay back Live Nation, which is a policy I don't agree with. I think they've backpedaled it, but I know Ticketmaster and Live Nation, they've talked about it up here where they're thinking about some sort of digital passport system, which I know has been discussed down at your end as well. Uh, just, you know, you have to be vaccinated to go to a show. I think that's a very simple request. I don't think that's too absurd. Of course there's always going to be the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers and all those fucking people. Um, I, I, I don't mind getting a needle to go to a show again. I, I just want to be able to go to a show again because the live streaming of shows, it's its a great band-aid for now, but it's kind of falling through because everyone, especially in the winter time, which in Canada, like we've had actually a fairly light winter around where I am. Like I'm expecting to get pretty gnarly, but it gets cold. There's some snow on the ground, but it melts a lot. But I think a lot of people are just waiting to get back to live shows and waiting to actually be around people again. But in terms of shows being normal again, like, I know Live Nation said like, oh, we're going to try and aim for fall and we're going to aim for all that shit. No, shows aren't going to be a normal again for a very long time because COVID is going to get to a point where everyone's probably going to get at least once, even with the vaccination and it's going to become a yearly vaccination. Masks are definitely going to be more culturally sound because in Japan, for example, masks were always very common, either for pollution or if someone's sick, they just wear a mask just out of courtesy of others. And what what this pandemic has definitely showed is people some people just do not give a shit about others <laughs> at all and it's with shows like it's going to be social distance we're going to be at a limited capacity we're not going to be able to make as much money artists guarantees are going to be significantly lower agents are going to make less money the industry is just going to make less money for a very long time if we ever get back to a point where we can actually do full venues with no masks the only example I could think of that's working right now is uh, Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan. They did a series of shows down in Austin, Texas. They had a full capacity 300, 400 cap venue, but they had rapid testing. So everyone got tested. If that yep. system works as well as they say it does, and if com- promotion companies are willing to put the money in for that, then we can do full capacity shows again. But that's also going to be adding expense on top of the show as well. And God knows how much these digital tests are going to cost, how much they cost per administration and waiting periods. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of complicated shit, but I'm
2: rambling. No. Yeah, it's all good. It's what a podcast is for.
3: <laughs> I ramble,
2: um, especially, especially yeah. on my... Yeah, I don't know. Like um, I saw over in England... Frank Turner, you might be familiar with that guy. Yep. Um, he did a show or two maybe uh, to sort of prove that it wasn't worth the cost of putting on limited uh, capacity shows. And I don't know. I guess he hasn't done one since. But The the
3: only thing I could see working is, and, and I've talked about this idea with a couple people, and I think some people are working on it but there's still some formatting they got to work out it's doing limited capacity shows say the Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto it's a legendary venue been around for over 70 years the roll everyone from the rolling stones and onwards have played in that venue it's very iconic yeah with that with a venue like that it's i think it's like th- 3 to 400 caps, something like that if you could do only a 50% you're looking at 150 200 and then an idea i would have i've given to some promoters in the, in canada is You can, venues need to set up infrastructure to host live stream tickets for shows because when shows are back, you're going to deal with two people in which either A, it's a group of people that are dying to go to shows, will do whatever they can, wear the mask, social distance, all that shit. But then there's always going to be that crowd of people that's like, well, I don't want to risk getting COVID in this crowd, especially if they're not doing the testing because like you said, it's a logistical nightmare as well as just the cost, it's not worth it. So if you do a back end where you do a live ticket for like 50% of the price. So if you have a $20 ticket, do a $10 e-ticket so someone can watch the show from home live. But once again, you need the money to put into the live stream infrastructure, making sure it's a high quality, make sure your audio is high quality because I'm not paying for a ticket that I know is going to be a shit show. So, so, yeah. But it's all so, so much up in the air right now.
2: Yeah. And I think unfortunately we won't know for a while but um if that system does come into play i guess i would see the downside as you know a lot of the little guys will be cut out cuz anybody who's not bringing in tons of people and with a big budget and all that it's going to be even tougher for little bands
3: well i think a lot of people a lot what a lot of people haven't realized and it's a, it there's going to be a very long period of time god knows how long because the amount of major artists and even the artists at a more of a mid-tier level and the bigger agencies and the bigger promotion companies they're going to have the monopoly on all the rooms around the world for a very long that time means- so a lot of the little bands and a little promoter aren't going to be able to do shows as well as a lot of the little venues that weren't able to survive the pandemic it's going to only creep and get smaller and smaller until there's going to be an overflow of shows and then we're i believe and i've theorized this we're going to go into a live show renaissance in which. People are gonna to go to the shows, but there's also gonna be the that side of the crowd where if people are more in debt because of the pandemic and more in debt because of you know having to deal with additional expenses, they're not gonna be able to support live music as they choose. So it's either gonna kind of be one or the other, or more in the middle. So yeah, a lot of these smaller bands are gonna to have to find alternatives, and I think we're gonna go back to possibly a format of if there's if they're still available, like recall shows, like old school rec hall shows warehouse shows just basically try to find different places where lower level artists can perform and host people in a smaller capacity without having to pay an over amount of money for overhead rent and just live equipment
2: yeah i i'm already seeing like sort of a renaissance as it were um of like private shows in this Mm -hmm. area um a lot of the mid-sized bands, I guess I would call them, like they're touring bands normally, but I wouldn't say that they're super big or anything. Um, they just book out their summers with private gigs at house shows. Yeah, yeah that's that definitely to be working.
3: That's definitely a good way for a lot of people to earn that kind of income, and uh, you're definitely going to see a lot more private shows and a lot more of these selected ticket events. But even then,
2: so, yeah, it, I think it's, that'll be I'm
3: sorry. Yeah, no, it's going to be up to the lower level artists to try and figure out because this, this pandemic, back to an earlier point I made, which is like, this is the time to innovate and trying to figure out what everyone else isn't doing, because the issue a lot of these artists are having is like, they're trying to figure out how to survive because most of these bands, especially in like genres like rock, like I, I work predominantly in rock for a lot of my agency stuff. A lot of these bands, when I work on breaking them, especially in Canada, I, I, I send them out on the road and I get them as many dates as possible and break them in as many different markets as we can. But with that, now it's even harder because they have to figure out how to become essentially a social media influencer and use these things. My, I, I fucking hate social media. It it's, it's toxic as all fuck. I wish I didn't have to do it. I had a couple of people running my social media for my podcast for a bit. But unfortunately they were no longer able to do it. So now yeah. I, I, my girlfriend wanted to help me run my social media, which I'm definitely going to take her up on just so I don't have to do it because social media is toxic. Like I don't have a Twitter account. I hate Twitter. Twitter's possibly one of the worst social media uh, platforms ever. And a lot of them are just toxic. Like I like TikTok. TikTok's probably the only platform I actually kind of like because it, it's not just social media. It's a variety of people just doing random shit. And it's a great yeah. distraction. But I don't know, just local bands are going to have a very hard time, especially without money to digitally promote their music, because if they don't know how to promote their music independently, as well as if they don't know how to grow their audience from whatever size audience they have onwards online, they're going to have an even harder time developing and we're going to see an even longer period of time for artists to develop before they break.
2: Yeah, we'll see. It's definitely a brave new world out there see how we it evolves evolve. i think the key is just to kind of look at the positive aspects where you can
3: yeah and that's the main thing you can do is just try to be positive try to be proactive and use any opportunity you can find opportunities like that's why we're doing this because i saw your post i like, commented on and i reached out yeah. and i'm like hey let's have a conversation let's hang out for a bit and i think that's what more of these artists each do and that's why like the live streaming is great because it allows people to connect more on a face-to-face level podcasting. I'm definitely seeing a lot more podcasts pop up, like your podcast, my podcast. Like we're just trying to, I think it's also just because people crave that connection. People crave that wanting to talk to people and engage and just learn about different perspectives and what's going on because like, how, how has it been in Baltimore, for example, with everything that's been going on from the pandemic start to now, because obviously you, you're di- you're dealing with everything from COVID to the Black Lives Matter protests to the political outrage on both sides of the aisle to uh, Trump and the Capitol riots. And now you're about to get a change into power and Trump- Biden coming in with the new $1.9 trillion plan for COVID relief and all that kind of stuff. So w- what's been happening in like Baltimore, for example?
2: Well, initially there were some riots Um and there were definitely some protests around... uh The early quarantine, I would say, or early summer, whatever that was. And then there's been periodic lockdowns where we go back to being open, sort of, and you go to restaurants, but then different counties or different cities will adjust the rules. So a lot of back and forth there. Uh, Politically, it seems like people are either heavily into it or kind of fatigued. From it all I mean personally i barely ever watch the news so <laughs> any information I get is like third-hand somebody like tells me something happens and I, and I'm like all I, right
3: I think you're living uh, life the right way don't don't listen to so shit
2: <laughs> yeah I mean it's most of it's just kind of toxic and and designed to be entertaining but unfortunately it's like a little too entertaining
3: so, well, well um, you you all elected a reality star to be president. I think yeah, that's I the antithesis <laughs> of entertaining.
2: <laughs> it's about uh, as entertaining as it's ever been. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I know most musicians I know are just ready to kind of get things going again. But at least come summer, obviously not really in the dead of winter here. No, but uh, we'll see.
3: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a wait and see, and hopefully the summer the venues can open up and at least have some sort of capacity to run shows, or just art lower level artists and mid level artists can find those opportunities to perform and engage with the crowd again, and people can,
2: you know, get out of their
3: house and breathe a bit.
2: Yeah, people are definitely itching for it. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I personally have such a weird perspective um, compared to everybody because I am like a frontline healthcare worker. So, I don't know. I just kind of rolled with it the whole time. where where in
3: the healthcare system uh, do you work?
2: I work for the fire department. paramedic.
3: Okay, and how's that been throughout this pandemic? Like, has it only gotten more difficult? Is it in that coming-in-way format? Is it, like, how, how has it been?
2: Well, initially, everything was really calm because people only wanted to call like 911, for instance, or go to the hospital if they were really sick, like something either COVID or something else. And a lot of the, um, I don't know what to call it, but just like the smaller issues that people normally go to the ER for, they kind of stopped going for obvious reasons. They kind of scared. that So for a while it was kind of calm, and then things started picking back up again with your regular, uh, health ailments, heart attacks, strokes, whatever. Um, but as far as like COVID patients, I feel like it's been pretty steady, from what I've seen. Like, I wouldn't say there was any point where there was a super heavy influx, but I have a pretty limited perspective. I'm just one person, you know. <laughs> so yeah, but it's, it's perspective that
3: it's a perspective that people want to hear and need to hear because the issue, especially with media and the difficulty of tracking case numbers and just seeing only that small perspective even what you just said is probably more perspective the people that listen to this is probably more perspective than a lot of people who are listening to this are even getting from actuality
2: yeah i mean all i can really go off is my own reality so i don't know i don't really want to slant the discussion one way or the other yeah it's like some people get it and get really sick and some people don't
3: well that's the thing everyone reacts differently to everything and especially this virus we've seen that so many people are reacting differently and everyone seems to be there's everyone's having a variation of each other because some people have no symptoms some people have a few symptoms some people have most symptoms some people have all symptoms some people are in icu some people are on ventilators like the spectrum of victims and how we've seen them especially the ages because obviously older people have a higher risk due to health issues, people with pre-existing conditions, but even like people from 20 to 39 and even children, like you see so many different things. And I imagine like, yeah, even with the vaccine coming out and rolling in and all that kind of stuff, things aren't going to be steady for a very long time still.
2: Yeah. I don't know what the new normal will be. Wait and see, I guess.
3: I have a funny feeling (laughs) just going to be wearing masks and wearing masks and people, not happy about wearing masks.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's always gonna be a few. Yeah, but uh, I think by and large, people would be happy to wear large if they're allowed to kind of live their lives. You know what I mean? And I that's the other issue I of people just not being able to do things, and so they get a little pent up, yeah. a little anxious.
3: Well, I think that's also why, like, when the riots really first started coming around near the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people were getting fed up with not knowing fully what's going on, scared or frustrated. And that's why we saw a lot more rioters. And we saw, like, because there, there's obviously the rioters and the protesters that were rioting and protesting for a specific cause. But there's also a selection of people that were just rioting and protesting because they were sick of being stuck in the position they were yeah. in. And with the new norm, we're... We, there isn't going to really be a new norm for a long time, but I definitely think masks are going to be around, especially up here in Canada. I think masks is just going to be a common pre- common practice. I don't mind the mask. I think I I got a gator mask. I just throw my neck, yeah. slide over my face when I'm going somewhere. Easy.
2: Works. Yeah, I don't think most people mind. I think they, they probably mind staying home far more <laughs> than oh, anything sure. else. Yeah. You know, well, and that's the like other issue I to have. Hey, if you just go outside.
3: Exactly. And that's the other issue I have with media is the media, whether it's on the left or the right, they, they, they shine that flashlight on that small minority of extremists from either side of the aisle, because I guarantee most Republicans who saw the Capitol riots weren't in favor. Like, I think I saw a percentage. It was like 45% were in favor of the Capitol riots. Well, that's because you have someone riling them up. But yeah the media they focus so much on it and then that just gets flooded and but a majority of the people are more centrist centrist with a leaning either left or right because most people are just kind of like cool i'll wear a mask I'll, can i go outside now it's like you said people don't want to be stuck inside i i'd rather yeah, be yeah. able to go out when i want to and do what i want like it sucks that i can't i can only go out for essential things right now it's a pain in the ass but you you do what you gotta do and hopefully we can all get through this and shit gets better on the other side
2: yeah and positively or looking at it positive. I don't think people are quite as divided as maybe the news or the internet makes it seem.
1: Oh, absolutely at least not. in
2: my day to day life. Like people are nicer and kinder than they've ever been. As far as I can tell. But again, I'm only one person.
3: <laughs> yeah, but and and that's and no, and that's a better way to live. Like, don't look for the worst. And that's like Twitter's a huge example of that. Like Twitter is such horseshit because it's I think the example, the numbers I heard was like, eighty percent of Twitter users are just more casual. It's that minority which is like a twenty percent which make the most fucking noise. Like every time Trump tweets or every time Biden tweets or every time any political figure or someone just says something that's offensive or and just people are too goddamn sensitive nowadays and just everyone needs to chill the fuck out and appreciate each other. But a majority of the people, like you said, are that's right. It's, people are more caring about each other and just engage with each other. And it's like kind of similar to what what, happened, what you guys saw around the nine 11 era, which is like, we're not going to let the enemy win. There was like a sense of camaraderie, a sense of unitedness. Yeah. And ever since like for the past 10 years, it's definitely kind of been a slow progression into that more divide. And even Canada, like we've seen a lot of that divide kind of creep up here as well. And like we we've had Trump protests here and it's like, why the fuck are we having a Trump protest? We're, he's not our president. He's not our president. He's not our prime minister. Like, I don't know, man. People are fucked. The world's fucked. But hey, hopefully get, shit gets better. That's kind of my perspective on all of it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's easy to be a cynic. But I think it's more fun to be an optimist if you can.
3: It's, it's easier to smile things. than to frown.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, I probably never in a million years would have been podcasting unless it's happened but I made a ton of new friends and uh, I don't know. Something I feel do.
3: more, I feel weirdly more connected to people now when I do the podcast and I talk to them over a video call than when I saw people at shows. Yeah. Exactly. And I, th- well, I, I also took shows for granted because like I was very jaded by shows mm-hmm. because every time I went to a show it was a lot of, yeah, I had to do with like work, like it was an age or management thing. Or people at the show like wanted me to check out their band to sign them or something like that. So like I stopped going to shows a lot because I'm like, I just don't want to have to deal with people wanting to talk business because I just want to go to a show to enjoy a show. But now I'm like, fuck, I wish I went to more shows.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Ah, They were fun. (laughs) I know. So funny.
3: Exactly.
2: Yeah. Oh, cool. I usually keep these things to around 45 minutes.
3: Go cool. wrap um, it up whenever, man.
2: If there's uh, like a like a subject though that we uh, didn't get to though, then by all means.
3: I I I think we covered a fuck ton of stuff and just people listening love each other. Let's be let's all be friends. Let's hang out.
2: Exactly, and support each other's bands.
3: And yes, yeah, support each other's bands. Support each other's music. Share, show the love. Make Spotify playlists and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah. So. Um, We'll be in touch here. Obviously, yeah. I'll edit this episode and uh, throw your music on. Um, if for some reason I'm ever up in the Great White North.
3: Yeah, let me know, dude. Let's hang out. Get a coffee, get a beer, whatever.
2: Reach out or whatever. But, uh,
3: I don't know if we mentioned this, but my podcast name is a chat with Matt. Yeah. yeah chat chat with Matt with on
2: everything. YouTube page.
3: Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Good chatting to you. All
2: right. You too. Peace.
0: So yeah, thanks to Matt, and thanks to you for listening. Again, the name of Matt's podcast is called A Chat with Matt, so definitely check that out. Um, His music was not quite ready to feature yet on this episode, so he just uh, said throw somebody's on there, and I figured why not uh, throw my own song on there, Dispensary Kid, uh, my band The Hollow Truth. So other than that, as always, thanks for supporting local music. I think it might have had to do with the shadow.
1: Dispensary.